Hey guys, we are so excited that you're here. Welcome to the Not Your Quick Fix podcast. I'm Kara Goss, online registered dietitian and health and fitness coach. And I'm Kylie Kaiser, online health and fitness coach, and we're your hosts. This podcast is all about improving yourself physically and mentally. And y'all, neither of those things can be improved with a quick fix. We are here to be real with you about your fitness and fat loss goals, your health, your mindset, and everything in between. If you're ready to open your mind to the process that self-improvement requires, instead of always looking for the next quick fix, then this is your podcast. Let's get started. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to the Not Your Quick Fix podcast, episode 110. It's your girls, Karen and Kylie here with another special episode for y'all this week. Kylie, how are we doing this week? Um, I've had better weeks. <laughs> it's been it's been a rough week. It's um, been a rough week. Yeah, but it's been okay. Yeah, things are gone, you know. Um, but we are uh excited to be here today. We are. We are. <laughs> it's been a little bit of a heavy week over on Kylie's side, but you know, we're here. She's got her friends and family around and we're all just hanging in there with her. So yeah, I yeah. actually think um, just like to speak on that, we were talking about this um, earlier this week and saying, so it's like, actually, you know, I won't get into details, but um, we lost somebody in like our comedy scene this week mm-hmm. um, and here in Austin. And I think it's really cool. So I want to plug this out here. One of the guys posted that was like any of us that do this, all we want is for people to like see our stuff and laugh. So they've been encouraging people to go that somebody just compiled a big YouTube compilation of all of his stuff so if you like comedy please go look up nick roche comedy and honor our friend and laugh because he is one of the greatest roasters i've seen here in austin if you like roast comedy um i love that yeah he's the one who passed so that's the best way you can kind of like honor that for us is to go laugh at his jokes he would love that love that we will absolutely go laugh i love that so much thank you for sharing that yeah and yeah i mean what's going on with you Nothing too crazy. Um, got back from the Jonas Brothers concert a few days ago. Okay, I can't say. Oh it was, yeah, spill the beans. <laughs> I cannot say that it was the best night ever because truly Taylor Swift was the best night ever. But like you say, every concert is the best. I night know. Ever. <laughs> That's I I'm just a thing. concert. You know me. I'm a concert girly. Like yeah. the post concert depression is so real. But when I tell you, it was absolutely incredible. Like we really lived out our childhood dream. So I went with my best friend who I went to my very first concert that was the Jonas Brothers concert back in eighth grade. And me and that friend met up at that concert. And that's kind of what's like solidified our friendship. And so she's the same girl that I went to this concert with. Um, It was amazing. We wore these shirts that were like, a reference to the Hannah Montana episode that the Jonas Brothers were in. So I was just like living in all of my like childhood girlhood glory. And I loved it. Um, The show was absolutely incredible. Like they are absolutely incredible live. Like the vocals unreal. Yeah. I've, I've seen that. Oh my God. Like incredible performers and our seats. So like the, the thing that I love about them is that like, they are so inclusive to the entire like arena Mm -hmm. and like, like it wasn't a stadium, but like the PPG paints arena. So it's like, they had like their front stage, but then they have a catwalk all the way to the back and they have a B stage, um, which is like the backstage and me and Liz copying Taylor and everything. (sighs) (laughs) Taylor did not have a backstage though for this tour, which I would have loved. Kara, 
she's had a bet B stage at every single tour she's ever done. And on this one, she didn't have the B stage because that catwalk went to the length it of went, where B stage. Yeah, it went the entire way down. I know, but I would have loved her to have a B stage realistically. Yeah. yeah. But um, they've, and I will say that that's something that Jonas Brothers have always done too. It's like yeah. they've always had. Keith Urban does that. It's really cool. Yep. I love it. I love when artists do that. Um, But so our seats were literally like, we were like um, the lower bowl, literally like five rows up right beside the B stage. So when I tell oh, you they nice. were right there. That's awesome. We, I saw your videos. That's crazy. Oh my God. I was like, we 1000% made eye contact with Joe. Like, and then your no friend won it. tickets. Okay. So this is what's what? crazy. So the day after Liz posted a photo dump of the concert and she, um, she was like, you know, had a great time, blah, blah, blah. And I commented on it and I was like, oh my gosh, I wish we could do it all over again. Not even one minute later, I get a call from her and she's like, bitch, I just won tickets to another Jonas Brothers concert. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is manifestation at its finest because the openers, um, they're called Lawrence. I had never heard of them before, but they're produced by John Bellion, who also produced the Jonas Brothers new I've album. I've seen John Bellion in concert. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love, like, I definitely love his style. Um, mm -hmm. But so the openers um, put on a contest to go and see them at another oh, Jonas Brothers concert wow. in the future. And so we got tickets to November 27th um, in Buffalo. So yeah, go to right see the Jonas. Thanksgiving up there. Yep. Right after Thanksgiving. I'm gonna what, what a thing to be thankful for. <laughs> Truly what a thing to be thankful for. So like, I'm, I'm having all of the luck with concerts this you year. Are. I really am. So yeah, it was an incredible experience. Um, Love that for you. Today is my sister's birthday. So happy B-Day Taylor shout out. It's going to be passed whenever we uh, release this, but I'm going home this weekend to celebrate with her and my yeah, mom. So yeah, not too much going on this weekend, but it'll be fun to go home and see them. What about you? I've got um, a couple. I had one show scheduled for Saturday and then I just got another one last minute. So I have two shows this weekend, both on Saturday. Um, and then I don't think I really have much else going. Oh, Sunday night. I'm going to, uh, my roommate has been taking an improv class and it's her little like class recital thing. So I'm going to oh, go fun. watch that, um, on that. Sunday. Are we going to be watching her. the Jets versus Chiefs game? Okay. So you have Taylor her, thing, her thing is right in the middle of it. And so I'm What's actually her salty her recital. Oh, so, um, yeah, but I, it's only going to be like 20 minutes. So I'm trying to go watch. Actually, what I want to do is there's a guy here. There's a comedian here in Austin that goes up and down this like 6th Street, which is like our main party street, you know, mm -hmm. um, and he just like asks people. He like has a mic and stuff and he just goes up to people and like asks them like, like what the fuck is going on and mm -hmm. sees what people say like to literally anything he'll just be like i'm just trying to find what the fuck is going on and then like asks yeah. people whatever comes to their mind but then like recently he just did one where he went around and asked everyone like asked everyone men and women like how often they think about the roman empire since and like so he's been he so like funny. does stuff like that and i was like i want to do that because last weekend i told you at the bar i went up to those chiefs fans to try to mess with them mm -hmm. and they like had the funniest responses and i was i told justine i was like i really want to go to a sports bar during the chiefs game this sunday and mic up and like ask a bunch of burly ass dudes like what are your thoughts on travis kelsey and taylor swift yes and like oh my god all yeah the footage but she has her thing in the middle of it. So, and I was like, I feel like I have to go during the game. So I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out because I need to do it while it's still like hot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. For sure. But I can't do, I already saw the videos. Somebody at the bar stool already posted one of all the girls asking like their husbands, like, to, like are telling them that they like, oh, she put Travis Kelsey on the map. Oh, and, like, and the, husbands really are getting, the husbands are getting so mad. 
Literally, I made Kevin mad last night. It was so funny. So funny. But yeah. he did but- acknowledge, he did acknowledge that Taylor Swift is so much more famous than Travis. I'm like, thank you. Uh, last night Justine saw that people were looking up that like her his net worth is like a couple million or something like that whatever it is like a few million I don't know and literally her one of her cat's net worth is like 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 millions millions more than (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was so funny oh man um maybe I'll get to do maybe I'll get to go mess with some people during that we'll see I would love to make like content with that but um I have some shows and then I'm going to a concert on Tuesday and then I leave for Nashville fun so much fun so much going on always and speaking of stuff going on we have a very special special can I talk guest for you today (laughs) so we have my good friend Kelsey Hojera, who is now Kelsey Thomas, because she recently got married. Congrats. Yay. Post-wedding blues is also a real thing. That dopamine fall, like the whole week. I believe it. Uh, Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. For sure. For sure. Oh, my God. That that drop in the dopamine and the serotonin, like, it's so real. But mm-hmm. your wedding was beautiful. You looked beautiful. And we are so happy to have you here today. So Kelsey and I have been longtime friends since, like, 2019, whenever we first started working with our very first dietitian business mentor, which is insane. So Kelsey, for our audience, go ahead and introduce yourself. Talk a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you got here today. <laughs> Uh, Thank you so much for having me. So uh, like Kara was saying, my name is Kelsey Thomas. I am a registered dietitian and I specialize in fertility and pregnancy, which has been so exciting to finally kind of, you know, go into that arena. Um, I work with clients to help them get pregnant and nourish their bodies to support baby's development and their own health through postpartum. Um, So I also am a clinical consultant part-time for a well-known hormone testing company. So you know, I have the privilege to be able to look at thousands of hormone reports and kind of get this just good understanding of, you know, how women's bodies work and how to optimize, optimize that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could go into a lot of detail about how I got here. Um, but I'll just kind of leave that. Do you have any further questions? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's so cool to see. I mean, I feel like I've, I've seen you through so many different phases and stages of your journey um, and of your career. So it's just so cool to see you stepping into Mm -hmm. this space in terms of, you know, fertility and pregnancy, postpartum, all of that kind of stuff. And just really, really just like blossoming in this. I can tell you're just like glowing, you're loving it. So I think that's so amazing. I have a starter question that I don't think we have on our list, but I think would be a good way to kind of segue is I'm, I'm curious. I would love to know like what what inspired you or what led you to want to specialize in this specifically? Like, is this what you started out in? Like, as far as like when you started your own practice or like what led you to this being kind of the thing you're passionate about? Yeah, that's a great question. So as Kara alluded to, I mean, like I, as I've grown as a person, like my business has significantly transformed and I now finally feel like I've found my thing, you know, mm-hmm. like when you're first starting your business and trying to yeah. get on the space, like, I'd started off doing healthy weight loss and things of that nature because that was the experience I personally had. And then um, I read a book about birth control and it was just like, what the heck? And that was about four years ago, maybe three years ago, I don't quite remember. And so then I started, you know, getting into functional nutrition and then I had a really terrible hormone and gut healing journey. Mm. Um, My hormones were already messed up post birth control. 
And then I had some like underlining gut issues that weren't bad. Like they were pretty mellow and then got a concussion and COVID in the same month. And so that just oh my like, gosh. yeah, caused, you know, all those underlying things to get really bad. And so then that really propelled me into functional nutrition, hormone health, gut health. And so I started working with a wide variety of clients like Hashimoto's, PCOS, IBS, IBD, just kind of like broadly trying to figure out what I like to do. And then I started to get a few fertility clients here and there. And then once I started the job at Dutch, um, I realized very quickly that, wow, I love fertility. Um, mm-hmm. and so like, like the, like the reports, so I get to talk to practitioners and walk mm-hmm. in their reports and help them out. And I realized very quickly that what I'm most passionate about is fertility. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of in that stage now that we're married, you know, we're, um, we've known we were going to get married for a while. So I've been doing all the fertility, like, um, living a fertility friendly lifestyle for a while. Um, and so now that I'm kind of trending into that stage of my life, it's also kind of propelled that like, I just love this and I love yeah. babies and I'm so passionate about like childhood development. And it really starts with fertility. It starts with preconception and being nourished enough that you can first off even get pregnant, but like what you do before you get pregnant impacts your baby's development, which I just don't think people know and people don't talk about, which is that. Mm-hmm. So for sure. Anyway. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah, you've had such a crazy roller coaster of a journey. And I completely agree. I know that we're going to get into this as well, but it's so funny the lack of education around how to prepare for conception and how to prepare for pregnancy. And so many women are so unaware that, you know, what they do beforehand truly does impact their baby's development and, you know, how their pregnancy is going to go as well. Of course, there are a lot of, you know, uncontrollables in pregnancies. Sometimes we don't always know how the body's going to respond and every single woman's pregnancy is going to look different, right? But obviously there's a lot that we can do in terms of just supporting fertility. So I think one of the biggest things that I want to start out by asking you is what are some of the most common fertility issues that you usually see in your practice or disorders as well and things that you feel like really impact fertility? So I think typically what people think about is going to be things like amenorrhea. So like you're not getting a period or not getting regularly. And then, you know, like the different conditions like PCOS, if you have an autoimmune condition, that's going to make it more challenging or like endometriosis. So I think that's what people typically think about. Mm -hmm. But the truth is that like, if you don't feel well, like if you have brain fog, you're fatigued, you're not recovering from exercise, you have consistent bloating, you're constipated, like all of those are factors that need to be addressed, should be, okay, should be. Mm -hmm. And they're really like, underlining signs and symptoms that your fertility is not optimized because I was trying to think of this analogy last night and I don't know if I'm going to do it justice because it just popped into my head yesterday but like if you think about fertility as like an onion and Mm -hmm. it's all the way in the center and I guess you can think about fertility as like optimizing your health that's all the way in the center and that's going to be like the um last thing your body wants to focus on Mm -hmm. right like you know like Fertility is all about nourishing a baby and your body. The last thing your body wants to do is do that. If your health isn't in a good standing. Yep. 100%. I totally, totally agree with that. And 
you know, kind of like the Shrek reference, like the layers of the onion. That's all. That's always what I think about is just like Same. peeling those back and having to get to that kind of like that core. It's just like we talk about, you know, whenever we are dealing with something like a menorrhea, missing period, whatever it may be, it's like getting a period is a calorically expensive process, right? Like it is a, it, it takes a lot of vitamins and minerals. So does being fertile. So does having the right hormonal fluctuations to be able to ovulate and get pregnant. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with that comes the fact that, you know, if we are not feeling our best and if we are dealing with a lot of these issues like PCOS, endometriosis, or even just like these very common issues like bloating, constipation, brain fog, all of that kind of stuff, our body's not prioritizing those types of things, that fertility, especially with, I know that, and this is something that you've probably seen a lot, Kelsey, is like women who have been chronic dieters their entire life and who don't mm-hmm. know how to eat a, eat enough. Can you talk a little bit about that? And like, have you seen that a lot in your practice with like women who kind of come from this like chronic diet mentality into wanting to be their most fertile and like have the best pregnancy? Like, do you feel like there's a hard transition there? Yeah, there definitely can be. Um, I think the most significant that I've seen is going to be people that are intense exercisers that also Mm. are eating enough. So a lot of them will like completely lose their period or have really low hormone levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, But outside of that, you you know, a lot of women that have been dieting on and off, I mean, that is, it does mess with your metabolism. And I'm I'm sure you all have talked about this like extensively on your podcast. Like you don't have, like I tell my clients all the time that when your metabolism slows down, your body stops prioritizing things that it doesn't think are significant. Right. Being, being fertile. The other things are going to be regular bowel movements, um, mental health. Like Mm -hmm. you don't need to be happy. Like Like, your thyroid doesn't need to function. Like all of these things, your body will, will slow down doing And Again, fertility is one of those things that it is a privilege to get 1000%. I think the thing that people need to keep in mind too is like fertility, yes, is about getting pregnant, but I think so much of it is about having the healthiest baby possible and the healthiest pregnancy. So if you're aware that you want to get pregnant in the next like year, two years, or even three months, I think starting to work on it ahead of time. Granted, if you do get pregnant and you weren't planning on it, there's still so much you can do. Um, mm-hmm. to improve the health of your baby, but it's so much more than just like, I could get pregnant right now. Yeah. And I think that this is something where, you know, something that we commonly run into, we talked a little bit about this. Um, we had, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Letitia Bates. She used to be that PCOS coach on Instagram. Um, we had her on a few weeks ago and we were talking about, you know, when to come off of hormonal birth control before trying to get pregnant. And it's like, so many women are told, oh, just come off and start trying. Right. Whereas this is yet another professional telling you, hey, start early, start, you know, really prioritizing your health and nourishment early. And I think that like the whole issue of like hormonal birth control and coming off of it right before you start trying to get pregnant is again, like most women aren't educated on how much that is going to impact their body and hormones um, and how difficult it can be for them to ovulate again afterwards. So it's just a I think the really scary thing is miscarriage, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. progesterone, like, if, okay, so to make healthy progesterone levels, like your egg needs to be optimized maturity, and then that's going to help to make progesterone. Um, mm-hmm. But if, so if you're not making enough progesterone, if your egg's not as healthy as it should be, like that leads to increased chance of miscarriage, which is yep. like yep. everyone's worst 
nightmare, honestly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I will honestly say that is a huge, huge um, topic of discussion that I've had with a lot of people, specifically, there are some people who, you know, are close to me, kind of in my family who have had uh, multiple miscarriages. And that is one of the first things that I talk to them about is, hey, have we ever gotten our progesterone levels tested? Of course, no, doctors have never tested it. And it's like, this is one thing that we need to be looking at. So, you know, obviously to create enough progesterone and to ovulate regularly, there needs to be a lot of kind of like hormonal harmony in the body. So I want to ask you like, what needs to happen in the body for us to even be fertile, like for us to be able to ovulate regularly and have the possibility of getting pregnant? Yeah. So, you know, as dietitians, right. Um, the first thing I think about is adequate nutrient status, like you were saying, like to have those hormone fluctuations throughout the month, it's very energetically taxing, yep. um, and not just from like a macro standpoint, but also from like a minerals and a nutrient standpoint. Um, and so like you also need a healthy methylation. Um, so that's something that most people don't really like know what that means, but um, methylation is involved in a lot of different processes in the body. And one of the biggest things is it supports DNA expression. And that becomes even more important when you have sperm and eggs that are then multiplying to make a baby, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to keep going on, but it's going to be all of your typical like functional medicine sort of thing. So you want to be limiting toxic exposure. You want to be supporting your detox pathways. You need to be pooping regularly. Like, For sure. <laughs> Hope you're ready to talk about poop and poop regularly. And then the cool thing that I think also people don't really keep in mind, and frankly, I didn't really even think about it until a few months ago, but because of like the whole fertilization process, you have different DNA in your body. Your immune system also needs to be functioning well for that to even be able to implant. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty neat, right? And so like if you have if you're getting sick all the time, if you have an autoimmune condition, really getting those regulated um mm-hmm. as well. And then your thyroid, so you need your thyroid uh functioning properly to activate the eggs maturing to be able to ovulate. And so like the same with ovulation that or fertility that I hope I'm making clear is it's like this your whole body needs to be working in harmony together and mm-hmm. then you become fertile or the yeah. most yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like just kind of like supporting the central nervous system through all of this? Because I think that that's one of the biggest issues um, or areas of, you know, issues that we see in terms of women is just kind of like being overly stressed. Right. And like having all of these kind of then downstream impacts from like the stress levels and central nervous system dysregulation that can then impact fertility that I don't think people truly realize how much of a connection there is with these kinds of things. Yeah. So I really like this account on Instagram. It's PTC nutritionist, and she's a dietitian that focuses on fertility as well. Mm -hmm. And she put this in a way that has just been like mind blowing to me, like this analogy. So men thrive on pressure. They thrive on like drive and things like that because they have higher testosterone levels. And granted, men's fertility is also important. They can't be overly stressed. Um, they can't have all this toxic overload and all these symptoms, but they do thrive more on drive. Where women, our hormones thrive on rest. It thrives mm-hmm. on safety and security. And so, um, yeah, just making sure that like 
I think the important thing is setting up your life in a way that supports resting, supports you being able to take care of your body. And so whether that be habits, whether that's saying no to more things, mm-hmm. uh, the bottom line is that being stressed, I mean, I'm sure you all have talked about this many times, right? Increases your cortisol levels. And then that signals to your body, like this is not a safe environment. And so that's yeah. the bottom line, like you really need a good circadian rhythm and mm-hmm. proper cortisol levels. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I talked about this a bit on, you know, a podcast a few weeks ago, because I'm dealing with um, missing period issues again, you know, and my mm-hmm. hormonal dysregulation again. And and the funny thing is, is I said, you know, use me as an example, because here's the thing is that every single person's body kind of has this set point for stress. And what's so funny is that I lost my period again toward the end of my fat loss phase and losing the weight that I had gained through my post birth control journey. And it's just so interesting because it's like, while I'm not an extremely low body fat percentage by any means, and while yes, like I have to push a bit harder because I am short, you know, it just goes to show like how, you know, how calorically expensive all of these processes are. And the fact that like your body is going to shut down these specific systems whenever you are not giving it enough of what it needs, you know, and whenever we're not giving it the proper micronutrients or the proper amount of calories or whatever it may be. Um, And so I think it's just really important to be able to make that connection. And I think it's important for people to see that in real life because sometimes I think people don't believe that it's going to happen or that it can happen to them you know what I mean I think the really Mm -hmm. interesting thing about my story is I was having regular periods I was having a period every month and it wasn't until I tested my hormones that I realized I was actually having anovulatory cycles so I was not actually ovulating Mm -hmm. and I'd been off birth control at that point for like a year and a half and before the concussion, I actually felt pretty good. I just had like major PMS, like my PMS was super bad. But other than that, like I felt pretty decent, but I wouldn't have been able to get pregnant. Yeah, exactly. And that's the really scary thing that again, like this is why we talk so much about this and why we educate so much because most women don't know this, right? And most women are, so many women are struggling and struggling to get pregnant and be mm-hmm. fertile without all of this education. I also, I have like a random one-off question for you that I'm curious. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Kylie and I, you, you have, you and I have talked about this a bit mm-hmm. before, but do you think that the, do you think that infertility is becoming more common and it is rising? Or do you think that it's more a mix of, we are just so much more aware of it now due to social media and people being open and honest about their stories. Whereas before it was kind of a taboo thing. No, it's actually super increasing, especially among men. I thought so. Wow. I have heard that specifically about men. Well, men's test levels are lower than they've ever been Mm -hmm. in general. Lower, yeah. Mm -hmm. What was the percentage? 60% lower than I think like 1970. Yeah, it's like crazy. Yeah, and so like if the trends continue, uh, men will be completely infertile by uh, around 2050. That's insane. Yeah, I heard a podcast of a doctor, um, like a pearl descending doctor, like talking about this, and he's like a well-known MD. Like I think he's actually trained conventionally, which I was really impressed with what he was saying. 
but he was talking about all the environmental stuff, lack of exercise, mm-hmm. um, diets just greatly impacting fertility. So yeah, I think there is an increased awareness, but it is true that like people are becoming more infertile because of their lifestyles mostly. Yeah. Well, it's something even not to like, I mean, we're very open on this podcast and everything. We all know how we become pregnant, right? Sex. So like, you know, I think that there's such a, I've talked to being like, you know, I'm 32. And so a lot of my friends are in the age range of like 27 to 35. Right. And a lot of us are talking about whether it's with significant others or friends like out in the single dating scene, even how much more like and I don't mean this in a rude way, but like scientifically men in that age range are like struggling even with like performance mm-hmm. and sex and insects now more yeah. than they were like things that like normally was like the joke, you know, you need like that kind of help with that or whatever in your like fifties, sixties and stuff. It's happening to men in like their late twenties and early thirties. And that's like a, a direct correlation with like that, with their testosterone levels and things too. So I just think that's something to like think about for like, I know we probably don't have a ton of male listeners, but if we do, but if you're also a woman and you're, that's like one thing you're struggling with and you're like wanting to eventually get pregnant. Like if that's your partner, that's like, I know those are like uncomfortable conversations and have, but that's like a very like early sign. Like there shouldn't be that much of a problem, like early on in your life. And so like, that's a chance to like get ahead of it before you're trying to get pregnant. Right. Because it is something like, I mean, I've talked to a few men who are like gaining awareness around that, that are in like their late twenties and being like, Oh yeah, I've started going to the gym and stuff more because of that. And not even realizing that that could in fact, like affect like future family creation, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it is wild to, to hear that stat that like they predict that by 2050, like that's pretty scary. Scary. Yeah, I think it's cool, though, that the awareness is going up. And, like, a big thing mm-hmm. with sexual drive in men, and not to get too much into this, but it's porn addiction. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, I've seen a lot of practitioners talking about that, too. Like, Dr. Andrew mm-hmm. had a podcast about it, um, which is really neat. Um, so, yeah, I think it's cool that awareness is going up. But I just want to specify all the scary stuff. It is fixable. So Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, the good... That's the good point. <laughs> One thousand percent. Yeah, it's so crazy. And I think it's just really important to reiterate as well, because I think that there's a lot of guilt in Mm -hmm. women who cannot get pregnant or who feel like my why is my body not doing or not able to do what it is made to do. And I also think it's very important to remember that it can be the male just as much as it can be the Mm -hmm. woman. So please, both of you get tested like both of you owe your due diligence. And I've worked with, you know, some women who have had fertility issues. And they're like, well, like, I'm nervous to have that conversation with my husband. Like, I just don't want to put that on him. I'm like, girl, no, 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 no. Like this is a 50, 50, this is a two way street right now, you know? So I think that's just really important to, to touch on for sure. Kelsey, in terms of like tracking ovulation and everything, we've talked about this a bit on the podcast before, but can you talk about like how you started to like know that you were ovulating and like how you normally suggest tracking for your clients? Yeah. So I think one of the easiest things is just get an app like flow. I'm sure there's others out there. I think that like Apple has the period tracker. I just really like flow. I've used it for many years. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the big thing though, is like similar to what I was alluding to earlier, I was having a regular cycle, but I wasn't ovulating every month. And so I think the main quote unquote symptom that you should be feeling when you're ovulating is you should want to um, do it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You should be horny. I mean, you should be like 
Um, I was gonna make this post and I still plan on doing it, but it's like a, a meme, a meme video of a guy like, woo, like, so it's like <laughs> you, uh, me when I'm ovulating when my husband does the absolute bare minimum. So like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. that's amazing. It's kind of stress and lifestyle, but like you should feel like the urge of like let's one thousand percent. Let's um, get it on. Yeah, exactly. So increases in libido. Um, there's also changes to like your cervix um, mm-hmm. anatomy. So you have your vagina and then you have your cervix and then you have your uterus. And so the cervix is the area that kind of like is in between. It protects your uterus from like bacteria and stuff like that. But that will actually shift. Um, so granted, if someone wants to, um, you can check. Um, you should be able to touch it when you're not ovulating, but when you're ovulating, it will like increase up and that's a good sign. Yeah. And then general mucus changes as well, not to go into like too much detail here. Like this shouldn't gross anybody out, but no, um, we're very open on this. So don't, do, you don't have to hold back. You're good. <laughs> so like, um, you'll go from like, like a creamy, like you should mm-hmm. get white. So like when you're starting to become fertile, like you'll get more wet and then it goes from like a creamy, thick uh, consistency and then it gets clear and sticky. And so that's the period where you are fertile. But once it gets clear, that's when you've actually ovulated. And so you can get pregnant between like five to seven days around that ovulation just Mm -hmm. because sperm will live inside of you for about, um, I think it's like three days, 72 hours, I think mm-hmm. is how long sperm will live inside of you. Um, fun fact though, if you want a boy, this is so interesting, um, but the, the boy swimmers are faster and will die off quicker. Hmm. So the, the women, the, the, the female sperm are still hanging around. And so if you want a boy, you want to try to aim for right when you ovulated. Um, and then you have 24 hours and then the male swimmers are more likely to get there. But hey, the more you do it around that window, mm-hmm. the more you are to get pregnant um, because like there's a whole process of like having the sperm having like break the egg down and like get in there. Yeah. So, like, to, like hold on to that too much. Um, yeah. Also, like, body temperature. And so like um, your, your basal body temperature might drop a tiny bit and then it'll start to rise as you're ovulating and then it'll stay um, elevated during your luteal phase. Mm-hmm. Um, my, those are, I think the best ways, in my opinion, like they're not stressful. Like you're just having fun. Um, I think people can get really stressed out about getting pregnant. And by all means, if you do not get stressed out and you want to do ovulation test strips, um, or do, um, like temp drop, that's, that's a, you know, an actual basal body temperature method, or if you want to do basal body temperature and take your temperature every morning. I mean, by all means, those are great methods, but I have found with, I had one client who, um, they had been trying to get pregnant for a few months and I, we got her hormones back and I was like, Hey, things actually look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like there's some mild things to work on, but things look pretty good. And I told her, I was like, you just need to stop stressing about it. Just go have fun with your husband for a weekend, like right. ovulating. And she got pregnant that month. And I oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. So like, it really needs to be like a fun, environment like where you're relaxed and that can Mm -hmm. as well yeah absolutely it's so funny like 
it, you always hear those stories about where it's like, we were so stressed for years. And then when we stopped stressing about it, or when we adopted somebody, then we got pregnant the next month. Literally. And I like know how much people who are struggling, like hate hearing that, but it just, it is, it does happen all the time. It does. It really does. So yeah, I mean, that is so huge. So, you know, in terms of fertility, what are some of the top lifestyle factors and also some really specific like micronutrients and foods that you personally suggest to really support fertility? Yeah. So the most, I don't want to say most important, but the ones that I initially focus on are going to be your fat soluble vitamins, especially A, E, and D, mm-hmm. which are increasingly harder to get from just a typical diet. Like you really have to put a lot of effort into getting those. Um, and they support egg development, um, healthy progesterone levels, um, blood sugar. I mean, they're super important for a lot of things. Um, and then you want to be eating a mineral rich diet as well. So like zinc, magnesium, iodine, selenium, Mm -hmm. um, choline is specifically super important for methylation. And I find this really fascinating. So a lot of people say that, like, I I hate this. And so I'm making a weird face, but like, oh, a baby's a parasite and it just steals all the nutrients from mom. And that's only true mm-hmm. for certain nutrients. Mm-hmm. Choline is not one of those. The baby mm-hmm. will not steal choline stores from mom and you can't make up for choline stores once you get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So it's something that you really want to be doing ahead of time. And choline is really important for brain development. It's been um, low choline levels have been shown for neural tube defects. And so that's extremely important. Um, and then your B vitamins as well for healthy methylation. And so um, I can give some food sources. Is that yeah, possible? absolutely. Okay. Um, people probably hate hearing this. Um, and hopefully every time I listen to like a functional dietitian. Beef liver? Yeah, liver and heart. <laughs> I already knew it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I am terrible at getting liver in my diet. I'll be so honest. But heart is not that hard. Um, I've started incorporating that like here and there mm-hmm. um, and if you um what's it called where you take salt water and you what's, what's that called it's not I don't know it's like a tender method it's not brining is it that's what I was is it that's what I was gonna say and I was like no that can't be it okay yeah, cool. so look at me a chef yeah yeah <laughs> if you brine the heart that's gonna make it more tender but since heart's a muscle it's already pretty tender. You just probably want to marinate it a little bit, but I literally made stir fry with it and I didn't tell Sam and I'm like sitting there and I'm like, you going to like watching it? him eat it. He's a really picky eater. And so he starts eating it and he's like, what's this meat? And he's like, it's, it's more tough, but it's really good. And I was like, it's hard. What, <laughs> yeah. did, he like, what did he say? <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's really good. And hey, we yeah. love a supportive man. Me though, I'm having like slight aversions because I just cooked all this heart and like cut it up. Yeah. yeah. It's harder for me, but um, so yeah, getting in your organs is really helpful. They're very mineral rich and especially mm-hmm. um liver is really rich in choline and vitamin A. Mm-hmm. Uh, cod liver oil that still has vitamin A and D in it is also really helpful. It's a really easy way of getting vitamin A. And then you also get the omegas, omega threes. Um, farm fresh eggs as well. They're going to have vitamin A and choline and some vitamin D in there. Um, your green leafy vegetables for B vitamins. For vitamin E, that one is one that I've been kind of nerding out on recently because it's also super duper hard to get, but your most potent source is going to be wheat germ. Interesting. So, yeah, we used to get it mostly from freshly milled grains or mm-hmm. freshly milled wheat because that was 
how everyone made flour, right? You couldn't just like go to the grocery store. You had to like mill your own flour, but then the vitamin E content decreases significantly over time. So now a lot of people are depleted in it. So wheat germ, um, sunflower seeds and almonds, but wheat germ is like the bee's knees of vitamin E. Love that. And then you want to focus on like probiotic rich food. So we do have like a microbiome in our uterus, which is like so mm-hmm. cool. They didn't know that a while ago. Um, and same actually with your like placenta and when your baby's at, mm. they have a microbiome. Mm-hmm. Nice. So and cool. It's so cool because I've, I've actually been, I've heard this multiple times in books I've read, but they, they used to say, and they're still saying a lot of people that your baby's first exposure, their, the first time they develop their microbiome is when they come out the uterus. Not yes. Ah, interesting. So it's yeah. more so in the, with the placenta. Yeah. And like, it has to do with like your uterus and mm-hmm. all the uterine microbiome. I have a one-off question for you about that, because obviously, you know, we learned that the baby's microbiome can be, you know, pretty impacted by whether or not we're having a vaginal or a C-section because of our own microbiome in the vagina and everything like that. And um, also obviously by like antibiotic use, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm curious to know, like, do you know, or like have any information around like how much the microbiome can be impacted by like C-section versus vaginal birth? I wish I had the stats right now. They, they, there are a lot of statistics on like vaginal versus C-section. Mm-hmm. Like asthma rates and things like this. And yeah. Microbiome testing. So it definitely is impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to look into that a little bit more for you guys. Yeah. And same with like breastfeeding versus not breastfeeding, but you know, just to give someone a little bit of uh, peace of mind that like when you are supporting your gut health during pregnancy because there is a microbiome for your baby like they are still getting that somewhat right which is the importance of supporting that during pregnancy yeah Yeah, I just don't know to what extent because that was like new like we I don't Mm -hmm. know when we found that out but it's very new yeah for sure yeah yeah any other like big food sources bone broth (laughs) bone broth I'm literally that's so funny that you just said bone broth because I was literally just thinking to myself, like my lunch popped in my head and I'm like, I'm about to have my bone broth after this. <laughs> favorite quick meal is just like bone broth with like poached egg and then dandelion. Oh, like, that oh. sounds so good. That okay. sounds really good. I have like noodles or something. I'll throw noodles in there. Mm-hmm. Like but broth is very mineral rich. There's this really good book that I actually haven't read yet, but goes into all like the, uh, like research on it, but it's called better broth than healing tonics. And Ooh. bone broth is like rich in all of your minerals, mm-hmm. rich in which I was like, I know that and, and glycine and all these really good amino acids. And yep. this whole thing too, this is more like Chinese medicine, but um, they talk about like keeping your uterus warm during implantation. So like, you know, drinking more like soups and warm mm-hmm. meat and things like that. And um, a yeah. And, and, so cool. It's so cool how big of a role nutrition plays in all of these things. And, you know, one other thing that like I find a lot too is like obviously the importance of like omega-3s, DHA, EPA, specifically DHA for our third trimester. And, you know, a lot of times like 
we see out there, like the prenatals with the fish oil and all of that kind of stuff. But like a lot of them don't have the amount of DHA that you need. Like you normally need a, mi- a minimum of, I believe it's 300 milligrams in your third trimester. And most of them have like 50 to 150. So really focusing on like that quality fish oil, obviously like there's, you know, guidelines around fish and everything through pregnancy, but I mean, focusing on like those fatty fish, salmon, all that kind of stuff leading up, I think is, is great as well. Um, I'm curious to Kelsey, like your thoughts on prenatals and if you have any specifically that you really, really love, um, if you feel like they're kind of like that some of them are kind of a scam because sometimes I feel like prenatals are marketed as prenatals and it's like, they do not have everything that we need in them. Yeah. So I would love to like not need a prenatal and to like feel so confident with my diet. Mm-hmm. That like I don't need a prenatal and same with clients. Like I'd, lo- I'd love to feel so confident and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is that like when you're pregnant and the whole preconception, I, I heard someone say recently that preconception should be thought about as like you're pregnant. Like you yeah. your body as if you're pregnant. For sure. I think it's super interesting. So like increasing your, you know, your nutrient amount. Um, and that increases significantly when you're pregnant. And then we yeah. have other environmental factors that we didn't have in the past that also increases up your nutrient needs. And then our soil is depleted. So you don't get enough minerals that way. And so I could go on this for forever, but yeah. I do support taking a prenatal, taking mm-hmm. you know, one because I'm in like a fertility prep um, stage. And so I really like um, there's three brands, but I only remember one off the top of my head. Totally fine. Seeking Health has a really good. Love um, Seeking Health. Like an optimized prenatal. And mm-hmm. so it has, um, vitamin- you do have to take eight capsules a day. So I just recommend take two every time you eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has vitamin D in it. It has vitamin A, vitamin E. It has like good doses of everything. It has uh, your needs for iodine. Yeah. You know, that are super important it does not have omega-3s because there's no way they'd be able to fit it in there Mm -hmm. Uh, that one is my favorite and then there's two others that are rd formulated that are also really good awesome i really like orthomolecular i don't know if that's one of the ones but i really like theirs i haven't seen that one but i want to see if i can And another, and while you're pulling that up to another note, um, if you are looking for like a quality fish oil, Nordic Naturals brand um, is associated with, I believe the, is it like the American Pregnancy Association or something of that sort? I really like Nordic Naturals because they have really quality fish oil um, and they have fish oil specifically dosed for pregnancy. So if you have a prenatal that you're taking that does not have a fish oil in it, you can go ahead and look for Nordic Naturals, which is great. Found the two other ones. It's full well. Full well, love full well. Needed. What's the other one? Called needed. They also have a good Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So there are some um, great brands for you right there. What are you saying? Yeah. Is isn't um folic acid also helpful? Yes. So there's gonna be some controversy on that. I do not like folic acid. I like the the active form. Active form. Yeah. So we could go into detail about this. We do not have the research on this. I'll just put it that way. But mm. what's recommended is 400. Is it micrograms or milligrams? Yeah, micrograms. Yep. But um, now I believe that they just raised it. I think that they recently raised it up to 800 micrograms. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. Almost all of 
a good free needle tab around 800. Yep. Yeah. But, um, so folic acid, so it used to be recommended 400 micrograms mm -hmm. to prevent neural tube defects. I hope I made this clear. There's so many other things that go into that, especially choline is really important, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. um, the problem is, is that the body can only, and this is a healthy body that doesn't have an MTHFR gene mutation. By the way, yep. no one has mother effort except for RD. Yep. Yep. I say, I said that to so many practitioners and now I just say MTHFR because they like, so many of them giggle and I'm like. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so funny. I love it. Yeah. So, okay. So I'll go I'll backtrack. So a healthy body can only break down around 200 micrograms. Mm -hmm. um, from folic acid into the active form a day. So that means you have like 200 that are just kind of floating around and that's going to build up mm -hmm. every day. So a lot of like naturopathic doctors and things of that nature are starting to sound the alarm on it. And mm -hmm. um, they do think it's linked with like inflammation and mm -hmm. that's a big one. But again, mm -hmm. there's not enough research on it. And so um, there are other forms. Um, if you have the MTHFR gene mutation, you really need methylated folate. Yes. And, then and methylated B vitamins for, for all my girlies out there. And I think the other form that's not methylated, but it's still better than folic acid. I think it's, is it folinate or calcium folate? Calcium folate, I think is what it is. I think, yes. Is calcium it? Salt. Yep. It's calcium folinate. Yep. And so in my opinion, those are better. Other things to look for for a prenatal, you want retinol. Some of it needs to be retinol as vitamin A. Okay. Like, yeah. Um, because that's going to be your pro-form vitamin A. And beta mm -hmm. carotene, sometimes you'll see beta carotene as well, or it'll be a combo. But yep. beta carotene can be very poorly converted over to vitamin A. Yeah. And see, this is so this is why I like to like have, and I'm really happy that we were able to list out all of these really, really um, solid brands, because this is the issue that we run into is like literally, and again, could go on a whole rabbit hole about this, but like whenever my clients are pregnant, like the very first thing that their doctor says is just get a full, just get a prenatal, make sure it has folic acid and iron. And that is such like general advice. And also like a lot of times they're going with like the women's one a day or whatever it may be. And so many of these vitamins and minerals are not in their methylated form. They're not in their active form. Like the body has to do a lot more work to utilize them. And they're also just, they, a lot of them don't even have like the proper amounts of vitamins and minerals that we need. And they're missing some key nutrients as well. So yeah, I would definitely say like a full well is great. Orthomolecular. Um, what was the other one that we said? Seeking health. Yes. Seeking health. I also really like Theralogics. Theralogics does have, I think that they could do a little bit better in terms of their dosing, but they do have a prenatal, um, that comes in like a 90 day pack. And it also comes with the fish oil and everything like that. So that also like saves you a little bit of money there too, but yeah. I think the big key things though, that you really want to pay attention to, like Seeking Health also has one that's, uh, not optimal. So it still is going to have like your your uh, methylated folate and a lot of these key things, but it's missing like vitamin D, magnesium. Right. Um, but yeah, you really want to make sure you're covered with um, your B vitamins. You really want to be covered with minerals, magnesium. Mm. Um, iodine is so important. And if you're somebody like me that doesn't use iodine salt, like you like, have to make sure like you're focusing on iodine. For sure. Um, 
uh, vitamin D. I might have been missing some, but I think it's like the research supports 4,000 IUs of vitamin D. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so important. So, oh my gosh, that was so helpful. So I guess one of the very last things I want to leave the audience with are what would be like some of your biggest no-nos whenever it comes to fertility or some things that we should be avoiding or limiting or completely eliminating? Yeah, we didn't talk about this, but toxins are so important. Um, if you want, I can share these statistics with you. Of course, I just got signed out of my Totally fine. Yeah, I would love the statistics. And we actually, I mean, we've talked a good bit about this as well. We have a whole episode back in the 70s with our friend Leslie Monet on, you know, environmental toxins, liver detoxification, everything like that, where we really break down kind of some of the common, the common, you know, offenders, if you will. (laughs) Yeah, so these are the studies. I have the names of the studies. I didn't have time to like pull out the key points, but um, one of the studies found exposure to phthalates in pregnancy increases risk of preterm birth by 15%. Dang. And these are the titles of the other two. Um, association between pesticide exposure and decreased fertilization rate, decreased embryo quality, and increased risk of miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's, you know, not good. And yeah. phthalate metabolites were associated with significant fewer total and fertilized oocytes as well as pregnancy rates and live birth and cohorts of women undergoing IVF. So your there is research. I'm so annoyed with people being like, that's woo-woo. Like there's mm-hmm. not, like there's so much science that like you really need to be living a low toxic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it's not that far. Vinegar and water and baking soda are your best friends. Mm-hmm. For um, sure. So it seems that you're using on a daily basis, you should really be switching over to low toxic, non-toxic. Um, so that's going to be like cleaning products, skincare products, and then really limiting pesticides. If you are someone that can't afford all organic, which I totally understand, um, you can get off the majority of pesticides just by uh, like rinsing, not rinsing, but washing your produce in water and baking soda. So mm-hmm. like one to two tables, I don't even measure, but we're in some baking soda yep. and then soak it for five to 10 minutes. And that removes most of the pesticides. Um, yeah. That's a great and, trick. And then like, this is like kind of obvious, but not so obvious. Um, but drinking and smoking again, that whole preconception period, you don't have to be completely sober. Um, but once you think you may be pregnant, you should be completely sober, but mm-hmm. uh, even marijuana, um, there's lots of studies that marijuana decreases testosterone and sperm motility and things like that. And so really avoiding those things for both sides. Both yeah. Sides focusing on this. Um, Absolutely. Balancing blood sugar. We never talked about that. That's super important. For sure. Oh my God. Yeah. We, I feel like balancing blood sugar is one of those things that's like, that is a, just a key aspect and a foundational aspect across like all of our podcast episodes, whenever it comes to hormone health and just overall fertility. So for sure, for sure. Would you love it and hate it? Oh my God. Yeah. Like sometimes I just want to eat a bagel and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, literally. Oh man. Well, Kelsey, this was so great. This was, this podcast is going to be such a great resource. Yeah. Such a great resource for all of our listeners and you're such a wealth of knowledge on all of this. So I'm just, I'm really pumped for you to continue growing in this field. Um, and yeah, 
I would love to ask you two special questions before we go. So very important, very important questions. First question is might be a trick question if you've never listened to the podcast or a surprise one. What is your favorite carb source? Oh, um, can I just say sugar? <laughs> yes, you can say just, sugar. Just like straight from the pixie packets, like the, like the fun dips, like just eating fun dips. Seriously. Funny, like don't, but like I, I wouldn't say like that's not like my most substantial carb. Uh, I love me some honey. I also am a huge raw milk advocate. And so like, mm. that's not typically what you think of with carb source, but it is like does have a good amount of sugar. And so like, yeah. Much raw milk. Um, those are two. Hey, those are two different ones, honestly. No one's ever said honey, yeah, raw milk. So you are blazing your own path. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I love I like the answer of just straight sugar, to be honest. (laughs) Same, same, yeah, so good. It's so good, but not so good for blood. Right. Well, our last question for you is just your chance to be a shameless plug. Where can our audience find you? What do you have going on? Anything you want to promote or just let us know um, where they can connect with you? And we'll link all of that in our show notes as well. Awesome. Thanks so much. So I am most active on Instagram. Um, My handle is the homestead dietitian. And so that kind of was developed from me loving homesteading. And I feel like it kind of alludes to the lifestyle that I promote and live as well. Um, And so that's where you can find me. I don't have anything currently going on other than I like to work with fertility and pregnancy clients. Um, I am working on some things in the background and launching like a group program and stuff like that in the future. Um, So if anyone's interested in that, I think follow me on Instagram and uh, see the journey. Love that. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. And you guys are amazing. And thanks so much for being here. Thank you, girl. It was so great talking with you again. And yes, you guys go ahead and give her a follow. Check out, you know, in the future, that group program, everything like that. That's going to be so exciting. So super pumped for you. And you guys, if this episode resonated with you, please go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review. Share this with somebody who you know needs to hear it. If you have someone in your life who is, you know, struggling with fertility, pregnancy, a couple, a friend, whatever it may be, share this episode with them. Tag uh, myself, Kelsey, Kylie, the Not Your Quick Fix podcast. Share this on your socials. And we hope that y'all have a great rest of your week. We will chat with y'all next time. Bye guys.